you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Airing the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination and godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Good afternoon. This is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio. You're listening to Wednesdays with Will. And I'm your host today, Will Addison. I'm just thrilled that you are listening today. I uh, feel like what the Lord want me to share, something for your consideration, something for us to all ponder and to be encouraged by. So, um, just ask that the Lord would have his way that the Holy Spirit would lead and guide. But before then, I just want to make sure that I make these few announcements. I'm so looking forward to the Marriage Family Life Conference happening July 6th, 7th, and 8th. It's going to be a great time. We have been preparing and praying. We have been asking the Lord to, to lead us and to guide us, that uh, the speakers will be anointed for the mission that God has sent them on, uh, that the families that are coming uh, would be blessed in their coming down here, and also uh, that they would hear from God. And so we uh, really, truly believe that the Lord will show up and, and really speak to the people who uh, are going to be a part of this conference. And so if you're out there, you're not able to come, I just ask that you would pray, pray for us, and uh, that God's will will be done. But I'm expecting God to do some great things uh, in individual lives and families' lives and just really by way of encouragement. So I think it's going to be a great time. And so also, if you'd like to email us, you can email us at addisons at AFR.net, addisons at AFR.net. Uh, make sure that if you want to watch the broadcast, you can on Facebook and YouTube. Just search Airing the Addisons, Airing the Addisons. And if you would like to keep up with our family behind the uh, scenes YouTube channel and just kind of see some of our travels and we're, we've been traveling a lot lately, but praise God, we have some time right now where we're uh, at home. Um, but you can you can watch some of those videos if you would choose to. Just go to whatever you do underscore eight, whatever you do underscore eight, and that's the channel. You can check us out and uh, see some of the things, the adventures that we uh, <laughs> undertake on some of these trips. You know, one of the fun things that we do is called the waiter made me eat it, and so um, last go around it was my turn and JD's turn. So we spin this wheel and. Whoever the, the, the wheel lands on, the name, you have to allow the waiter to choose your meal. And so that's, that can be pretty unsettling. <laughs> but uh, so it was uh, my turn and uh, JD's turn. And, and uh, you can see that video is up now. You just go to uh, whatever you do, underscore eight, if you want to check that video. And there's some others uh, just like it. We also do a, a family uh, Bible challenge uh, for the for the children, and um, we're going to be doing another one pretty soon. And so, just some fun things that we like to do with our family, and you can uh, view it if you if you like. Take take a look at it, and I think it's kind of funny. I just want to give a shout out to my daughter, Mariah, my firstborn. She edits all of the videos. She does a great job, and so um, everything you see on the channel, Mariah has uh, 
edited those videos. And so she, she, she's very talented in that. And so we're trying to find ways to nurture the gifts that God is giving, given to our children. And uh, a way to do that is by having her, you know, edit the videos on our page. But anyway, so if you want to check that out once again, you can subscribe to that page is whatever you do underscore eight. But today, but today, this is something that the Lord laid on my heart uh, a while back. And I wrote down some scriptures and I was kind of like looking into it, but I never really kind of dove into it and um, brought it back up to my heart again. And basically the, the question is, uh, does sin affect the land? So the effects of sin on a land, the effects of sin on the land, right? So let's just talk about it. One of the things we clearly see in Scripture are the consequences of sin. We see consequences played out in the lives of individuals. The first man and woman sinned, and now sin is in the DNA of humanity. So there's a consequence for their disobedience and for their sin. We see God raised up nations for his glory. Uh, Then when they fall away, turn their backs on God, we see him take them down for his glory. Uh, It's because of sin that this happens. God used pagan nations to discipline his people, Israel, uh, when they fell into sin. During Jeremiah's time, he warned Judah of its sinfulness and the consequences that would come as a result. As a result of their sin, they were taken into captivity into Babylon. But you had Jeremiah and you had others, prophets and preachers, who were trying to tell and warn the people about this coming uh, slavery. But they didn't heed. But they didn't heed. Now, there were some that did listen. But for the most part, they kept turning away from God. King David when he sinned with Bathsheba and against God, he received in his family lineage consequences that would be long-lasting and far-reaching. God deals with sin, and there are consequences for our sins. And it may not happen immediately, but, man, there are consequences for sin. So America was established by God for the propagation of the gospel. That's my firm belief that the main purpose of the United States of America, the, 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 the main focus of his formation was for the propagation of the gospel, that the gospel was spread throughout the world, and we, we've done that and continue to do that. America was built on biblical principles, and the founders articulated those beliefs. You can find the writings. I've talked about it on the Wednesday show before, just some of the quotes from the founders. You cannot say they didn't have in their hearts and in their minds that a nation had to be formed on the principles of the Bible. It's just There's too many uh, statements and writings that you can go back and look at. For a long time, uh, and even still now, America has been blessed because of this godly heritage. But just as God's chosen people, Israel, were disciplined for turning away from God unto idols, America is being disciplined from turning away from God unto the spirit of this age and idolatry as well. Now, we have to, when you look at the nation of Israel, God's chosen people, 
and how he disciplined them when they would turn their backs on him. We have to expect the same thing for America, who started off, you know, biblical principles, who have strayed far, far away from those principles. And you can see it in the culture. You know, we talked about, and it was kind of a, on Friday, it was kind of jokingly, but still not, not really funny, that on Jeopardy, you know, there was contestants asked, you know, a biblical question. And all of them were stumped. And it was, a, it one, it was one of the lower uh, uh, price questions, like 200 points, get this question. And they couldn't, they, couldn't, they couldn't give the answer. No one even tried. I think that's a show of how far away that we we strayed for from even the Bible being taught in our homes, not only in our homes, but even children being sent to church, even if the parents didn't go. That was the thing. I remember, you know, children coming to church that their parents didn't come, but they made sure that their kids went. I think that's a that's that's a thing that's in the past now. And so I think we stray far, far away. You can, you can just see in the culture the changes, and it's happening, and it has happened. But one of the effects that sin has on the nation is the land itself becomes defiled. We tend to look at certain things like weather and say, yeah, you know, the patterns are changing or it's just a natural disaster as we call it a natural disaster. But I believe based on Scripture, as discerning believers, we need to see some of these occurrences as much more than natural natural phenomenon. It's more than a natural disaster. It's more than just something that, you know, okay, that's normal. There, there, there are things happening in the spiritual realm, in the supernatural, that God is allowing. And if we're not discerning we miss it because we are not thinking spiritually minded. We should see some of these things as God's judgment and a merciful attempt to get us to repent. So we're going to look at some scripture. And look, you know, we always going to turn to the straight edge of scripture. There are many scriptures that talk about the land being defiled and why it was defiled. What was going on? you know, amongst the children of Israel and what was going on that the land was, you know, being defiled or the heavens were shut up. What was happening? You know, I heard uh, some, somebody say on the news or uh, they, they were mentioning about tornadoes, right? So we get tornadoes down here in uh, Mississippi. They were mentioning that uh, Tornado Alley was shifting, and affecting more areas, areas that it hadn't affected, uh, you know, before, like not in a major way, but that has been shifting. And so when I hear these type of things, I, I question, I'm like, Lord, what's going on? You know, someone would say, oh, no, it's just the weather, pa- weather patterns, you know, things are happening, you know, it's normal. But I, I tend to ask, what's going on? Why are these things happening? So that was an article in the Scientific American, and it says, I want to read a portion of it. It says, although tornadoes touched down in many places across the eastern half of the country, from the 1950s through the 1990s, they struck most often in Tornado Alley, an oval area 
centered on the northeastern Texas and south-central Oklahoma. More recently, that focus has shifted eastward by 400 to 500 miles. In the past uh, decade or so, tornadoes have become prevalent in eastern Missouri and Arkansas, western Tennessee and Kentucky, and northern Mississippi and Alabama, a new region of concentrated storms. So they're saying that the tornado alley, where the main tornadoes hit, that has shifted. It's been shifting. Tornado activity in early 2023 epitomized the trend. A violent twister with wind speeds of 170 miles per hour struck Rolling Fork, Mississippi, on March 24th, killing at least 26 people. A week later, storms in the new tornado alley killed more than 30 people. And another group on April 4th damaged more than 80 structures in Bollinger County, Missouri. Those events happened in just the run-up to peak season in April and May. It goes on to say the data that was gathered in the past two years show that in addition to solo storms, large tornado outbreaks, multiple twisters spawned by a single weather system are shifting even more definitively to the east. The swarms and are clustering in a trigger in a, in a tighter geographical area than in the old tornado alley. And outbreaks may be getting fiercer and more frequent. So they're saying that these outbreaks are fiercer and more frequent. It looks as if we may be having fewer days in the U.S. with just one tornado and uh, more days when there are multiple tornadoes. Hmm. So I look at this, and I know they're coming from a, a purely scientific um, bent, and they're just, as a, you know, making a, a statement based upon what they know scientifically. But as a Christian, I ask, man, what's happening? What's going on? What's going on in the earth? What's what's is there a deeper thing than this? Dropping down in the article, it says climate change. Bing, 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 bing. That's what they <laughs> Climate change may extend the typical tornado season as well. Milder winters mean the unstable air masses that can create supercells may become more likely in March or even earlier in the southeastern U.S. So they're going to say it's climate change. But as a believer, I'm not buying that. What's going on? This is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio Wednesdays with Will. We're talking about the effects of sin on the land. I'll be right back. It's written in the first book of Genesis to Satan perverted What do you mean? They turn the rainbow to sin, but they don't know what it means. It is a promise. It is in pride. God said he would no longer flood the earth. Now it's for abominations when they put the flags outside your church. Hey, Deuteronomy 22, 5. Now you got grown men wearing these skirts. L.A. Dodgers mocking God, but soon they'll all be reimbursed. It's about the covenant, not about pride. They mark our Lord as we sit to the side. Who gon' bow down? Who gon' set up for God? Borders align, the wicked gon' hide. And all the media 
This is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio. Wednesdays with Will. That song right there is called Reclaim the Rainbow. Reclaim the Rainbow. <laughs> ah, a lot to say. And look, it kind of lines up with what I'm talking about today. Um, there's effects that, that, that sin has on the land. We're going to talk more about it, but I just want to finish up with this article. It goes on to say that Tornado Alley moving eastward is more than a curiosity. It's more than a weather curiosity. The shift is serious. And this is what the uh, Scientific American uh, article is saying. So they're viewing this uh, strictly from a scientific approach. Tornado shelters are common in Texas and Oklahoma, but less so elsewhere. The southeast is more densely populated and mobile homes, which fare poorly in windstorms, are much more common. Tornadoes in the southeast also occur at night uh, more often than they do farther west, in part because winds can bring ample moisture from the Gulf after dark. And studies show that tornadoes that strike at night are 2.5 times more likely to cause fatalities. All right, so then you have that. Again, my question when I read things like that, when I look at, you know, phenomenons, you know, in the weather, my question is, what's really going on? Or why is this happening? Why is this shift happening? I firmly believe that even in our country and even in the world, that there are principalities, there are rulers, there are, you know, uh, spiritual darkness that are in different lo- locations and areas. I believe that because the word of God says it, <laughs> that there are principalities and rulers and things that are beyond our sight that are happening. But sometimes we're so dull, we don't give it any credence. We're like, oh, we try to explain it away in human terms. But there, there are biblical terms for these things. So my question when I read these articles uh, from a Christian standpoint is, but really, why is this happening? Because I know who controls all of this. Ultimately, even if man is trying to manipulate the weather and do different things, God is sovereign. So why is the intensity of these things increasing? I read somewhere else that, you know, it's not that the number of tornadoes are increasing. You know, they're able to track more and have more data. But the intensity of these storms are seem to uh, be increasing. And some people would say again. It's climate change. I said, no, there's more to it. They're also saying that the intensity of hurricanes are increasing. And again, the reason that they're giving is climate change. But if these things are intensifying from a biblical standpoint, why is that? Why is that? Are the sins of the people in the land connected to that land being defiled and even rejecting the sinful people through acts of nature. Well, let's look at a few scriptures. All right. In Numbers chapter 35, when the land was being divided out by God, there was the land that was being given to the, the Levites and it was being divided out through the different tribes. And God was instructing Moses on this. One of the issues that was a big issue to God was an accidental killing versus murder. 
There was something that to be distinguished between those two. It was there were accidental killings. Was you know someone died as a result of someone else else's hand, but it was not you know uh, uh, something that was planned out or you know done on purpose. It was an accident. But then there was murder, and the consequences of the murder were to be swift and harsh. Like that person's life was supposed to be ended. So murder was supposed to be immediately dealt with, whereas if it was an accidental manslayer, he was to flee to what is called the city of refuge and wait to be tried by the congregation. And, uh, and if that person would leave that city and was caught by the Bible calls the avenger and is killed, then it's, it's, it's not on that avenger's hand, it's on that manslayer's hand from leaving the city. And they were only able really to leave that city if the, the priest who was anointed under that time passed away. This was what God has set forth. You can find it in Numbers 35. For the shedding of innocent blood was egregious to God. And God says at the end of Numbers 35 in his instructions to Moses, he says, so you shall not pollute the land in which you are for blood pollutes the land and no expiation. That means the act of making amends or uh, reparation for guilt or wrongdoing or atonement. No expiation can be made for the land for the blood that is shed on it, except by the blood of him who shed it. So the person that shed the blood, that was the only way that it can be made right. That's why when you had someone who murdered someone, they were their life was to be taken away. It says, you shall not defile the land in which you live, in the midst of which I dwell. For I, the Lord, am dwelling in the midst of the sons of Israel. Well, you might say, well, this is America. You know, that's Israel. God, you know, is not in the midst of America. Well, <laughs> again, I point back to our founding. I, part, I, I, I point back to the establishment of this country. It was clearly set on biblical principles. And we have had year after year after year of the shedding of innocent blood by way of whether it be abortion or murder or whatever. And praise God, you know, Roe was overturned, but that's still, it's still happening. Like that didn't cancel out abortion. And what about just the murdering in, this, in our streets? Does that have an effect on the land? We know what happened with the first murder. The Bible talks about Abel's blood crying from the ground, crying out. It affects the land. So some of the things that we're seeing, even in the weather, or just in other ways, could it be because we are defiling the land? It has been defiled. Just something for your consideration. The shedding of innocent blood defiled the land. The Bible says, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, when the house of Israel was living in their own land, they defiled it by their ways and their deeds. They defiled it by their ways and their deeds. Their way before me was like the uncleanness of a woman in her impurity. 
Therefore I poured out my wrath on them for the blood which they had shed on the land, because they had defiled it with their idols. Also I scattered them among the nations, and they were dispersed throughout the lands. According to their ways and their deeds, I judged them. When it came to the nations where they went, they profaned my holy name, because it was said of them, These are the people of the Lord, yet they have come out of his land. So once again, you see that because of the deeds of the people, the people of God, God's chosen people, the land actually was defiled. And the point that I'm making is in this great country of America, this great country, one nation under God, God bless America, with all the things that we talk about day in and day out on this show and on other shows, you cannot tell me that there's not an effect on the land and even in our weather patterns and even in, you know, just things that happen in different locations and cities and states and there's certain principalities. All these things have spiritual implications. In Isaiah chapter 24, verse 1 through 6, it says, Behold, the Lord lays the, the earth waste, devastates it, distorts its surface, and scatters its inhabitants. And the people will be like the priest, the servant like his master, the maid like her mistress, the buyer like the seller, the lender like the, the borrower, the creditor like the debtor. The earth will be completely laid waste and completely despoiled. For the Lord has spoken this word. The earth mourns and withers. The world fades and withers. The exalted of the people of the earth fade away. The earth is also polluted by its inhabitants, for they transgressed laws, violated statutes, broke the everlasting covenant. Therefore, a curse devours the earth. And those who live in it are held guilty. Therefore, the inhabitants of the earth are burned and few men are left. Once again, you see that there's a defiling of the land because of the unrighteousness and the wickedness of man. And he gives specific things that were done. Laws being transgressed. Statutes being violated. The everlasting covenant being broken. The land is very much affected by the sinfulness of the people. Leviticus chapter 18 speaks of laws on moral or immoral uh, re relations. And God gets very detailed in this chapter. And this is the chapter that, you know, like to pull out the scripture that a man shouldn't lie with a man as with a woman. That's in chapter 18 of Leviticus. But there were so many other things that God said as well. It says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, I am the Lord your God. And you shall not do what is done in the land of Egypt where you lived, nor are you to do what is done in the land of Canaan, where I am bringing you. So he's telling them in Egypt, you don't do what they did. 
don't take don't bring those practices with you and where you're going in Canaan, don't do what they're doing now. There's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. You shall not walk in their statutes. You are to perform my judgments and keep my statutes to live in accord with them. I am the Lord, your God. So you shall keep my statutes and my judgments by which a man may live. If he does them, I am the Lord. I am the Lord. Then he goes down into it and breaks it down. None of you shall approach any blood relative of his to uncover nakedness. I am the Lord. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father. That is the nakedness of your mother. She is your mother. You are not to uncover her nakedness. Now, I'm, I'm reading this because there's a lot of lewd things going on in our country. There's a lot of things that's happening in the dark and in the light. And so it's not just the sin of homosexuality, although that's one, but there's fornication, there's adultery, there's incest. There's all kinds of things happening. And what I'm saying is that these things affect the very land that we live in. You wonder why you can't go into certain areas or if you go through those areas, you better not stop. Why do the principalities and the rulers of darkness have such a hold on areas? Why are the weather patterns like they are? Why are things intensifying? Why? It's more than just a a conversation on climate change. There's a spiritual thing that's going on, and we as the people of God have to have discernment to recognize these things. We have to have discernment. You should not uncover the nakedness of your father's wife. It is your father's nakedness, the nakedness of your sister. So it's going into things like incest, fornication, adultery. And, and, and he is very, very explicit in saying, don't do this. But then drop down to verse 24, because it goes on and on. He keeps bringing it out. Do not defile yourselves by any of these things, he says. For by all these, the nations which I am casting out before you have become defiled. So these were the practices of the nations that... Uh, that God was actually kicking out, kicking out and giving this land to his people. For the land has become defiled. Therefore, I have brought its punishment upon it. So the land has spewed out its inhabitants. But as for you, you are to keep my statutes and my judgments and shall not do any of these abominations. Neither the native nor the alien who sojourns among you. For the men of the land who have been before you have done all these abominations and the land has become defiled so that the land will not spew you out should you defile it as it has spewed out the nations which have been before you. For whoever does any of these abominations, those persons who do so shall be cut off from among their people. Thus you are to keep my charge that you do not practice any of the abominable customs which have been practiced before you, so as not to defile yourselves with them. I am the Lord your God. This is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio. Sin has an effect on our land. I'll be back.
after this. This is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio. Will Addison, you're listening to Wednesdays with Will, and we're talking about the effects of sin on the land. And again, like I said, we talk about these issues that's happening in our culture here, um, just the disgusting things happening, you know, uh, throughout the land, the grab for our children. We talk about pretty much on a daily basis, you know, uh, the deviancy, all that stuff. And... It has an effect more than what we think. Sometimes we're so naturally minded that we can't see how spiritually, man, it, it, it's, it's a stronghold. There, there are things that are going on, but we have to have eyes to see what's going on. And so in talking about this today, um, there was a passage in 2 Samuel chapter 21, a situation that happened with King David. And I want to read some of that as it relates to the land be effect, being affected by, by sin. Um, and it's very interesting uh, reading this uh, during this week. And um, this kind of stayed up on my heart. In 2 Samuel chapter 21, it says, Now there was a famine in the days of David for three years, year after year, and David sought the presence of the Lord. And the Lord said, it is for Saul and his bloody house, because he put the Gibeonites to death. So the king called the Gibeonites and spoke to them. Now the Gibeonites were not of the sons of Israel, but of the remnant of the Amorites. And the sons of Israel made a covenant with them, but Saul had sought to kill them in his zeal for the sons of Israel and Judah. Thus David said to the Gibeonites, what should I do for you? And how can I make atonement that you may bless the inheritance of the Lord? Then the Gibeonites said to him, We have no concern of silver or gold with Saul or his house, nor is it for us to put any man to death in Israel. And he said, uh, and he said I will do for you whatever you say. So they said to the king, The man who consumed us, and who planned to exterminate us from remaining within any border of Israel, let seven men from his sons be given to us, and we will hang them before the Lord in Gibeah of Saul, the chosen of the Lord. And the king said, I will give them. But the king spared uh, Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, the son of Saul, because of the oath of the Lord, which was between them, between David and Saul's son, Jonathan. So the king took of the sons of Rizpah, the daughter of Ai, Armani, and Mephibosheth, who she had borne to Saul, and the five sons of Merib, the daughter of Saul, who she had borne to Israel, the son of Barzillai. 
Then he gave them into the hands of the Gibeonites, and they hanged them in the mountain before the Lord, so that the seven of them fell together, and they were put to death in the first days of harvest at the beginning of the barley harvest. But it goes down to say that because of what was done here, and because of the atonement being made for this egregious act that Saul did, that the famine was lifted. So there was a spiritual implication on why this stuff was happening. There had been some sin there, and it hadn't been dealt with. Now, in our personal lives, there are things that we may have done that we haven't sufficiently dealt with. God still desires for us to deal with those things. He still desires for us to deal with those things. In verse 14 of that same chapter, it says, They buried the bones of Saul and Jonathan, his son, in the country of Benjamin and Zelah, in the grave of Kish, his father. Thus they did all that the king commanded, and after that God was moved by prayer for the land. God was moved by prayer for the land. Sin has consequences. God takes very seriously sin. Now, David did the right thing, the right and appropriate thing, by seeking the presence of the Lord. It says that right in the beginning of that chapter, there was a famine, three years. But David sought the presence of the Lord. When there is a famine in your life, when there are things that are not going right and seem like everything is just shaken up, what you need to do is seek the presence of the Lord. Because in the presence of the Lord, David got the answer. It was there that he discovered why the famine was taking place. Literally, the sky was shut because of sin committed against the Gibeonites, and it had to be dealt with. Again, in our lives, do we have those sins, those things that we've done, and we just like, oh, you know, it's just skeletons in the closet. I'm telling you, they will have an effect on your life. You may not see instantaneously like something going on, but those things tend to have a long shelf life. And God desires for us to to, uh, 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 deal with those issues. See, this is instructive for us as individuals, and I believe as a nation of people, as we talk each day about the disgusting things that are happening. We talk about how our babies are still being offered up and put to death in, in our country, how corruption runs rampant, you know, I know a lot of shows have been talking about Hunter Biden and like the slap on the wrist, the, the corruption, even like from the, the, the state level to the federal level, the whole head is, is corrupt. <laughs> How our churches, <laughs> which represent 
The prophets and the priests are submitting to the spirit of this age. May we personally and as a people of God seek the presence of the Lord to know specifically where we need to fix things. That's what we have to do. David sought the presence of the Lord. Right there, he got the answers. So this may mean having hard conversations with family members or friends. Somebody out there may be listening and, you know, you know you have to have hard conversation with family members or friends. I have, I've had to do it before. It may mean going to that person that uh, we wronged and asking for forgiveness of the person that we defrauded and make it right. In the presence of the Lord, we will see clearly and know what to do. See, those things tend to cause us to run from the presence of the Lord, you know. But if there are things going on and it's like, man, why there seem to be rainstorms in my life like constantly? Why is there famine? Why am I dry? What's going on? Go into the presence. Seek the presence of the Lord. Because in the presence of the Lord, he gives answers and directives on what we need to do. So what can we do? Well, I believe uh, we can gain insight from the word of God on how our response should be before the Lord on behalf of the land or on behalf of our personal situations. You know, after the dedication of the house of the Lord and after Solomon had prayed and finished his house and the house of, of God, the Lord said uh, to Solomon, and, and this is a very familiar passage. But before I get to that, Solomon prayed. And, that, and if you look at Second Chronicles, there's a prayer that Solomon prayed. It's very, very, very detailed. Very detailed. It's in Second uh, Chronicles, and I believe it's chapter 6. Now, in this prayer that Solomon prayed, he covered all the bases, y'all. He covered all the bases. Hmm. In his prayer, he, he really explained, you know, if we, did, if we do this, Lord, please be merciful and, and do this. Let me give you an example. Roundabout verse 18, 17. Now, therefore, Lord, the God of Israel, let your word be confirmed which you have spoken to your servant David. But will God indeed dwell with mankind on the earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less this house which I have built. Yet have regard to the prayer of your servant and to his supplication, O Lord my God, to listen to the cry and to the prayer which your servant prays before you, that your eye may be open toward this house day and night, toward the place of which you have said that you would put your name there to listen to the prayer which your servant shall pray toward this place. He says, listen to the supplications of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray toward this place. Hear from your dwelling place, from heaven, hear and forgive. Then he said, if a man sins against his neighbor and is made to take an oath, and he comes and takes an oath before your altar in, in this house, then hear from heaven and act and judge your servants, punishing the wicked 
by bringing his way on his own head and justifying the righteous by giving him according to his righteousness. Then it says, if your people Israel are defeated before an enemy because they have sinned against you. See, this is something that was understood. That losing battles and things like that, man, it wasn't just because all our military wasn't strong enough. Man, when you're serving God, you got to look a little deeper than that. Lord, it's something off in my life. It's something going on. He says, so if your people Israel are defeated before an enemy because they have sinned against you, because they have sinned against you, and they return to you and confess your name and pray and make supplications before you in this house, then hear from heaven and forgive the sin of your people Israel and bring them back to the land which you have given to them and their fathers. And then look at this, verse 26. It says, when the heavens are shut up. <laughs> See, this is what David did. When the heavens are shut up and there is no rain because they have sinned against you. Now, wait now. Famine, when the heavens are shut up. David, what did he do when there was famine? Three years, he sought the presence of God. And so here you have Solomon saying, when the heavens are shut up and there is no rain because they have sinned against you and they pray towards this place and confess your name and turn from their sin when you afflict them, when you afflict them, then hear in heaven and forgive the sin of your servants and your people Israel. Indeed, teach them the good way in which they should walk and send rain on your land, which you have given to your people for inheritance. If there is famine in the land, if there is pestilence, if there is blight or mildew, if there is locust or grasshopper, if their enemies besiege them in the land of their cities, whatever plague or whatever sickness there is, whatever prayer or supplication is made by any man or by your people Israel, each knowing his own affliction and his own pain and spreading his hands toward this house, then hear from heaven your dwelling place and forgive and render to each according to all his ways, whose heart you know, for you alone know the hearts of the sons of men, that they may fear you to walk in your ways as long as they live in the land which you have given to our fathers. And he goes on talking about the foreigner that dwells among them. My point here is, when these things happen, we shouldn't just be of the mindset of just the natural occurrence, but we should be seeking the Lord and his presence. God, why are these things happening? Whether it's in our personal lives or it's in our country, why are these things happening? Because there's an answer. So after all of this, God came to Solomon in the night, and this is what he said. And we, you know, this is part of what he said in Second Chronicles. Chronicles 7, 13. If I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, see, God is doing all of this. Or if I send pestilence among my people, and my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their what? Their land. My eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer offered in this place. What I'm simply saying that is that sin affects the land. And we shouldn't look at it like scientists only, like this is just climate. No, 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 no. God, what's going on? And as dis discerning believers, how should we pray? 
we should be seeking God's presence and asking forgiveness for the sins that are done in the land. God is able to turn this thing around. This has been Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio, Wednesdays with Will. We'll be back tomorrow. But until then, God bless. <laughs>